Shutting Church, and please have your Bibles ready. Today's reading is taken from the following verses from the books of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 15 to 16. Chapter 16, verse 10. Chapter 29, verse 2. Chapter 20, verse 8. Chapter 17, verse 23. Chapter 18, verse 5. Chapter 29, verse 14. Chapter 31, verse 8 to 9. Chapter 25, verse 2. Chapter 14, verse 35. Chapter 22, verse 29. Chapter 16, verse 13. Chapter 25, verse 15. Chapter 23, verse 1 to 3. And chapter 25, verse 6 to 7. Chapter 8, verse 15 to 16. By me, kings range, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern, and nobles, all who rule on earth. Chapter 16, verse 10. The lips of a king speak as an oracle, and his mouth does not betray justice. Chapter 29, verse 2. When the righteous thrives, the people rejoice. When the wicked rules, the people groan. Chapter 20, verse 8. When a king sits on his throne to judge, he winnows out all evils with his eyes. Chapter 17, verse 23. The wicked accept rights in secret to prevent the cause of justice. Chapter 18, verse 5. It is not good to be partial to the wicked and so deprive the innocent of justice. Chapter 29, verse 14. If a king judges the poor with fairness, his throne will be established forever. Chapter 31, verse 8 to 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Chapter 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal the matter. To search our matter is the glory of kings. Chapter 14, verse 35. A king delights in a, in a wise servant, but a shameful servant arouses his fury. Chapter 22, verse 29. Do you see someone's guilt in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Chapter 16, verse 13. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value the one who speaks what is right. Chapter 25, verse 15. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Chapter 23, verse 1 to 3. When you sit to dine with a ruler, not well what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave such delicacy, for that food is deceptive. Chapter 25, verse 6 to 7. Do not accept yourself in the king's presence, and do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, Come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. This is the word of the Lord. Peter God. 
Thank you so much for uh, thank you so much, Sophie, for uh, reading all those verses for us. Um, I know it's hard to have it just in front of you because we'll skip around so much. But um, all these are taken from Proverbs. Um, it's on politics, um, but let's pray that God will speak to us this morning through these passages. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's living and active. That it's uh, uh, these words that have been written so long ago are still applicable to us, um, relevant to us. Lord, would you make these passages um, shape the way that we think about the world, the way that we think about our government, and how we ought to participate in that, and how uh, we can be wise um, in facing these issues. Lord, speak to us this, uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder what you would ask um, if God appeared to you and asked, uh, I'll give you anything that you want, anything. What would you ask? Well, I mean, it's kind of an ice-breaking type of question, uh, but this actually happened in history to one person, the King Solomon. And you know the story. He asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom, but you probably actually, some of you might not actually remember why he asked for wisdom. This is what he said. 1 King 3, 8 to 9. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? He asked for wisdom, not for himself, so he could navigate the complexities of this world or he could get rich or he could stay even innocent. He asked for wisdom so that he could govern justly that he would be able to discern what's right and wrong, so he would be wise in governing his people. And Proverbs is presented to us as a distillation of such wisdom, wisdom to govern. Right? In the tradition of Solomon, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, the very opening words of Proverbs is Proverbs of King Sol Solomon, son of David. King of Israel. And we think, we often think of Proverbs as a collection of wise saying that's written for all of us, and it is that. But you can make a case, actually, that Proverbs is in some ways about kings. It's about politics. It's about how to govern the people. So we read in chapter 8, verse 15 to 16, By me, wisdom. By me, kings reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern, and nobles all who rule on earth. So there's much to say about politics from Proverbs. Uh, but we don't have time to go over, over all things. And so I'm just going to summarize it in three points. Profile of a king, a wise king or profile of wise government, and profile, a profile of a wise citizen, and profile of the wise king. I don't know if you've heard this, but some say actually that churches shouldn't get involved in politics. We shouldn't speak about politics. Uh, our job is to focus on spiritual things like salvation and, and the gospel and the love that Jesus has for us. But Jesus also told us to love our neighbors. To love our neighbors. And that's actually one of the reasons why we should care about politics. Because politics is a way of loving our neighbors. I mean, think about politics and what it is. What the government's policies are is uh, regarding all of us, right? Whether it's tax rate or welfare or health care or uh, when to open or close schools. They affect us and our neighbors. 
you know, you might not care about what happens to you, but actually we should. We are commanded to care about what happens to our neighbors around us. This is one of the reasons we should care for politics, because we love our neighbors, because Proverbs 29, 2. When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, people groan. It's a no-brainer. No when the righteous rule, when righteous policies are in place, they become the condition by which people can thrive and flourish. But when wicked rule and wicked policies are in place, actually, it makes people groan. It, it oppresses people. And if we love our neighbors, we ought to then care what kind of policies are in place. Why should we care? Because we love our neighbors. Another reason might be, actually, because we care about justice and injustice. Proverbs 11.1, 1, The Lord detests dishonest skill, but accurate weights find favor with Him. You know, God cares about justice. This, on, this, this uh, scale, this on a scale, if it's everywhere and Christians don't say anything, if injustice is all around us and Christians don't say anything about the injustice around us, you know what that's saying to the people around, uh, people around us? It's saying, actually, Christians don't care about justice. Christians don't care about what happens to me. That God doesn't care about what happens. God doesn't care about justice. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote that deeds alone is our confession of faith before the world. You know, the world cannot read our minds. The world cannot see what's in our hearts, but they see our deeds. And if we believe in justice, our deeds must speak, right? What we do, what we say must speak because that's the way of speaking to the world. Why should we care? Because we, we care about justice. Well, if we care about politics, then what kind of a government should we care about? What kind of government should we advocate for? Well, Book of Proverbs, it was written in a time when kings, when the king was the government. So it has a lot of things to say about what kind of a king uh, one should be. And I think from there we can infer what kind of a government we should advocate for. So let's picture a profile of a wise and just uh, king or government. We must start, of course, with the fear of the Lord. That's been the theme throughout Proverbs. Again and again in 1-7 and other places, a wise king, as with any wise man, is one who fears the Lord. A king has to know that his power is not ultimate, that he does not have the final say, that he's accountable to somebody else, that his power is delegated, that he's a servant of God. And even a government that's atheistic, I mean, or uh, that, that doesn't have sort of religion written in the Constitution or anything, actually, they should have a sense that they're accountable to something greater themselves, that the government itself is not the end, that there is sort of this principle of justice and, and fairness and, and compassion and all those things. That should be part of that. That's, that's written. The fear of the Lord is written in our hearts. And in some sense, even though those who don't believe in God have, should, should have the sense that they're accountable to someone greater, to principles at least that are greater. But of course, a, a, a wise king is one who fears the Lord, who knows that he is accountable to God himself. And secondly, a good king is one who protects the innocent and punishes the wicked. Chapter 20, verse 8. When a king sits on his throne to judge, he winnows out all evil with his eyes. 
Well, one of the king's main role is to winnow out the evil. When he sees evil in his kingdom, he's supposed to take it out. Not just to punish them, but also to protect the innocent. And this is one of these principles that's echoed even in the New Testament as well. St. Paul in Romans chapter 13 writes about this, right? He writes that, uh, that um, governments are God's servants, he calls them. And uh, chapter 13, verse 4, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Even the die-hard libertarians who want the smallest government possible, they usually admit that one of the functions of the government has to be to catch the bad guys, to protect the innocent. We need that in from the government, or else it's anarchy. Another function, another uh, uh, profile of a wise uh, king, a, a king must be fair and just. Chapter 17, 23, the wicked accept bribes in secret to pervert the course of justice. Or 29, 14, a king uh, judges the poor with fairness. His throne will be established forever. And this is something that we know, don't we? Justice has to be blind. It cannot be self-interested. A king or government cannot be interested in, in its own well-being. It has to care about justice. It has to be fair to everybody. To rich and the poor, they, they, they need to be treated the same way. But did you see, actually, how a king is commended, right, for treating the poor with fairness? Why is that? Well, this is because a wise king knows that the poor, the disadvantaged, the marginalized, actually are not usually treated with fairness. And this happens in all sorts of ways, right? Their appearance or education level or whatever it is. Right? If somebody's dressed really nicely and the other one is dressed really poorly, we have this uh, inclination in our heart to treat one more fairly than other, than the other. We must take special uh, care to treat everybody fairly. So a king must do that. This is the reason why people shout the slogan, Black Lives Matter. Right? I mean, of course, all lives matter. It's absolutely true. Um, but in the United States and many other places, actually, black people don't often get the justice that they deserve. They're not treated often fairly. And so those who have power, you know, those who are executing uh, the, 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 uh, the, the rule of the law, or all of us must take care to, 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 uh, to make sure that we're treating uh, uh, black people and disadvantaged and marginalized in a fair way. A wise king, therefore, speaks for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of the destitute, it says. Fifthly, a wise government, a wise king, needs to look for truth. Truth is important. 25.2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter, is the glory of kings. The thing is, God cannot reveal all things to us. His, his, his knowledge is limitless. It's bigger than our brain. So in some ways, God's glory is seen in the fact that we cannot understand everything about God. But... When the government uh, is, is carrying out its duties, when the king is executing justice, he needs to reveal the truth. He needs to, see, he needs to seek out the truth. He can't just take people's words. He, he can't just see what's on the surface. He needs to seek the truth. The government needs to seek at the basic facts right in order for it to govern. 
friends, do you know that the Bible actually has a lot to teach about what kind of a government there should be? That uh, it's, uh, uh, it's a, this is just a small snapshot of it, but we need to be informed as to what the Bible teaches about governments. We need to know, partly so that we can also be responsible citizens, wise citizens who live in this world. So what's then the role of a citizen, a wise citizen? And by the way, this is written at the age of monarchy. Um, so and we live in a completely different political system, democracy or semi-democracy or whatever we are, right? Uh, so it's slightly different, um, but at the same time, I think we, there's still a lot to learn from what Proverbs teaches. A lot of these things actually still apply to us today. So that's what, let's see what the profile of a wise citizen looks like. A wise citizen, uh, who can know uh, somebody who can influence the king who becomes this uh, who takes this position of power is uh, is wise <laughs> sorry that's obvious but uh, 1435 a uh, king delights in a wise servant but a shameful servant arouses his fury a trusted advisor right is one who has proven his chops who knows actually who's given this, uh, these advices uh, that are good, uh, that helps people to flourish, that help the government, right? I help as many people possible. And people who bring shame, well, they're not going to be heard. They, they know the complexities of human hearts and the world, and they are able to give insightful advice. They're wise people. I think it meant in some ways, maybe this is another way of saying that they're skilled people. 2229. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. In order to rise um, to the highest level of the government, they actually need to be good at what they're doing. It's uh, uh, Spider-Man's Uncle Ben who said, with great power uh, comes great responsibility. Right? But actually, if you are capable, if you have great power, if you're a capable person, often you'll be asked you will be given responsibilities. Also, a wise advisor speaks honestly. A wise citizen speaks honestly to the government, to the power. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value the one who speaks what is right. You know, often we lie because there's short-term benefit. But in the long run, honesty is the best policy. And the government, who's, uh, the, the, pe the people in power need to know uh, what the honest uh, opinions are, um, something rather than flattery or something that, uh, that, that pleases them. But speaking honestly doesn't have to be rude. In fact, the Proverbs encourages um, us to be, uh, uh, to be patient and gentle. Chapter 25, verse 15. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Have you tried to break a bone with your tongue? Is that possible? Of course not. It's not possible. But isn't that interesting? Right? Patience and gentle tongue can break a bone. It can get the impossible done. But it, it requires patience. It, it requires gentleness. It requires grace. When writing about uh, Black Lives Movement in the U.S., a New York Times columnist named David Brooks said that he was actually really grateful. He was grateful for the radicals. 
He says that radicals help people, help the society to see what the problems are, to bring to attention the things that really matter to people that the people didn't see before. They get the conversation started. But he also writes, he argues in that column that actually radicals aren't that great actually in bringing about lasting change. Those who are breaking um, down th th things on the street or looting and rioting, actually, in the end, they are not that effective in bringing about last lasting change. Even those who are in power who are radical, like in the U.S., I think, uh, like some, somebody like Bernie Sanders, he's just too radical um, for people to listen to. He argues uh, that those who bring about lasting change in the government are those who sort of share some of the goals but who are able to work within the system with this moderate disposition are working tirelessly uh, towards the change. Um, he cites people like Hamilton or Lincoln or, or, or Roosevelt, who all were sort of this quiet, moderate uh, 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 people with moderate disposition, but who were able to bring people together to bring about lasting change. Patience gentleness, graciousness. These words can break a bone. I wonder if there's a, a lesson there for Hong Kong as well. Of course, in the Old Testament, we see two people who rise to great prominence in a hostile government, Daniel and Joseph. They were wise in knowing when to speak and when to keep their mouth shut. They, they, they were skillful in their work. They were gracious and, and, and gentle, and they were able to advise their kings. And they were given opportunities to make great uh, and lasting influence because of who they were. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. King Solomon asked for wisdom, and he was endowed with great wisdom, divine wisdom. But we also know that he didn't follow his own teaching. He wasn't wise in many ways, but one fact particularly highlights his folly. Again and again in the book of Proverbs, the writers advise actually not to commit adultery, to be faithful to one wife. Chapter 31, the last chapter of Proverbs, ends with the description of this noble and wise wife, somebody who embodies wisdom of Proverbs. It's as, as, as if to say kings should pursue wisdom and not go to anybody else. But you know, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And many were foreigners who brought their foreign gods to Israel. Solomon built the first temple, the great temple for Yahweh God. And he was celebrated, and the whole nation celebrated with him. But he also built an altar to Chemosh, the god of Moabites, a high place for idolatry. Solomon was to fear the Lord. He didn't. The guy who wrote the book on wisdom wasn't wise. In fact, there has not been a perfect kingdom. There has not been a perfect ruler anywhere on earth, anywhere in history. I know some of you are planning to leave Hong Kong 
you know, and that might be a wise and good thing to do, but don't expect wherever you're going to actually be ruled with righteousness and perfect, uh, by perfect people. There is no such place. There is no such perfect, uh, so, uh, perfect government. No perfect kings. But there was, 2,000 years ago, this wise, the perfect king who came down. We're told that he's the word became, who became flesh. The word became flesh. The word actually could be interpreted as, as wisdom. He was wisdom embodied. Think about all the things that he navigated through. Right? The religious establishment and, and, and the political powers, people's fallen hearts and all sorts of schemes around them. Jesus rose above them all. He always came on top. He was as, as, as innocent um, as a dove and wise as serpent. He was the wise king. He is the wise king who's still governing the world. And he is our king. And we are his people. And as we end, I want to uh, uh, draw a few conclusions from three conclusions uh, from each of the main um, headings uh, from this sermon. What does it mean that he is our king and that we are his people today? Well, one, first, as people who serve, serve this king, we must be a prophetic voice. We must be the voice of our king to this world. We must remind this government and governments around the world that they too uh, uh, serve this king, that they too have this delegated power, that they are accountable to God and not to themselves. And in order to do this, we, the church cannot be co-opted by the government. Church cannot be one cahoots with the government. This is why we should be very wary, very careful, um, right? Uh, very wary of putting flags in the church. In the United States, actually, there are many churches that have flags there. Actually, in, 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 in campaign seasons, many politicians are asked to come into the church and give sermons. We should be very wary of that. They should be at the pew, listening to what God says to them, rather than them, listening, uh, than them speaking to us. In the Bible, it's always the prophets who go up to the kings. Kings never address the, uh, the, the, the crowd, do they? Moses challenges Pharaoh. Daniel confronts Nebuchadnezzar. Jonah was sent to the city of Nineveh. Herod, uh, John the Baptist calls out Herod. Prophets go to the governments and remind them that they are accountable to our king. Church, we are embassy. We're an embassy of God's kingdom here. And as ambassadors of Christ, we have a duty to tell the truth to power, that they should fear the Lord. And I, I think doing this um, will come at a cost, increasingly so in this complicated world. I don't know what's facing us, but we need to think about that as a church. What does it mean for us to be his ambassadors? to uh, those in power. We follow this king. But we also must do this as, as wise citizens. Wise citizens. We can't participate in violence. We follow a king who turned the other cheek. We follow a king who, who said that those who live by the sword will, will fall by the sword. We cannot condone violence. We are told to be honest, to be patient, to be gentle, to be gracious and skillful. 
I know the Anglican Church has gotten many, a lot of flack for its stance on many things, and rightly so. But I do want to recognize some of the things that they've done right. Actually, it runs these social services. It runs these great schools, elderly homes. We run, the church runs many of these things, and actually because they're skillful at it, they're often invited to the table to be in position of influence, to do good for the city. That's worth doing. And we don't do that just to get a seat on the table, but we do it because uh, when the opportunity arises, we can speak for God. We can be on God's position. We can present God's agenda for the city. And finally, as I end, uh, us serving God means actually we cannot give in to this idea that politics is everything. This idea that uh, of, of primary, uh, po primacy of politics. Of course, if people, if, if people don't believe in God, people will make politics everything. Because actually, if you live for now, politics is the greatest arena of influence and power. Right? Politics really is for everything for many people. And actually, the nations that become gods will ask for your ultimate allegiance. It will ask sometimes for your ultimate sacrifice, life itself. And we can't give in to the idolatry of politics or of nations. Because God is ultimate. God's kingdom is ultimate. While all governments come and go, God's kingdom will stand. He is our God, and we must get the priority right. We are His people, with His agenda in this world. After all, in the Lord's hand, Proverbs 21.1, In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. All the things that the nations do, they're just stream of water that God channels in his hand, with his hand. No matter what happens to Hong Kong, no matter what, what's happening around us now, we must trust that God still is in control. We must trust him and do his bidding for the world. As we end, so let's ask, let, let's pray. Let's pray for those who govern us to fear the Lord, for them to fear the Lord and ask for his wisdom. Let's, praise that, uh, let's pray that we would be wise citizens who are able to navigate the complexities uh, and fallenness of this world. And let's also pray that we will get the balance right of knowing how to care for the people around us, how to love our neighbors through politics and whatnot, but also have His agenda, to have His kingdom first before all things. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your wisdom in this book. But Lord, we pray that you will make us wise. Through the power of your Spirit, you will make us wise. Help us to see the world clearly. Help us to see our hearts clearly. Help us to see what's going on around us clearly. But help us to see most clearly your laws, your will for us that we might be able to navigate in this season, in this time, as your church, as your people. Lord, help us to be wise, as innocent as a dove, 
but as wise as serpent. And help us to be your people who glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.